The important speech for him next week is the acceptance speech where he has to do three things that are difficult to do. He has to, one, explain in sh short, concrete terms what it is that he's done. More importantly, he's got to say what it is that he wants to do. That second act is absolutely vital to a re-election campaign. And then he needs to find time in that speech to, to contrast himself with Joe Biden in a way that sticks. And it's, a, it's going to be the most important speech the president has given in the last four years. I don't know if I agree with that. Carl Rove's certainly a smarter guy than me on all this. But freaking Trump's he's on TV every single day. I was just in the lunchroom, and he's, he's on there. He's answering questions like he does all the time. He answers questions more than any president ever has. Right. Um, and, and, and he, he has a chance every single day to talk about stuff. Um, will there be more eyeballs on that speech? I suppose, but I'm not sure. Biden, on the other hand, tonight, now I think that's a really big deal because he's not, you know, out there very much given very many speeches. A lot of people haven't heard him at all, but I think Trump. You know, he's out there all the time. You know, Carl Rove is, uh, he's very informative at times, but I think he's just terribly stuck in the past. Yeah, I think so, too. That's that's the way it worked in the 80s, and maybe that was the last time when these conventions were, okay, I'm going, let's all gather the family around the TV and watch the candidate give his speech to see if we want to vote for him or not. That's it. All these people are on TV every single day, all day long. Mm -hmm. You know what they freaking think. Yeah. Can Biden do a, I don't know how many minute long speech he'll give tonight. Like, how long was Obama's, do you think, last night? Oh, I read I that. Didn't I watch think it was 12 minutes. Yeah, I was going to say in the 15 minute range. So it's probably got to yeah. be at least that long, right? I guess. Wow, that's the longest I'll have heard him speak in forever. Yeah, that's, that's just sort of my point. Um, and what a weird, awkward thing to have to do anyway. You know, you'd have to get out of your head. I, I think you'd have to put out of your mind picturing a typical convention acceptance speech. Although that will, Kamala that, gave the speech on a stage, you know, at a, at a lectern and everything, it looked like the stage at a convention. So they'll try to dress it up a little bit like that. It won't be him staring into the eye of his, his laptop. <laughs> so it'll have some of the trappings. Um. Does he record it or not? We were talking about this earlier, and I said, oh, I'll bet it's already recorded. But, you know, then you started talking, and I thought, well, maybe that would be terrible. You think if he records it, he'll get killed for that? If it's not obviously yes. live? Well, there will be an effort to to beat him, beat him up for that. Um, whether those blows land and anybody cares, I don't know. It's hard to say because most of America is just now starting to what pay attention. What if it's attention, like the but... old Conan O'Brien show and it's clearly a still picture with somebody else's <laughs> lips? <laughs> Tell you what, even if it is pre-recorded, he's going to have to come off as not a doddering old man. And and not and just doddering. That's a, and that's all but, that matters. But tired and he slurs his words a lot and the rest. But that, but that is all that's mattered. What you just said, I don't think the content makes any difference unless yeah, he around says, the edges maybe i don't know if he said something extreme like i believe we should defund the police but as long as he stays in that middle 80 percent of america it doesn't make any difference he just needs to come off as i'm not so old that i shouldn't be president you that's know, his goal his only goal in a 15 minute speech if i was joe biden's speechwriter this would be my rough draft small words it would probably be rejected big font I'm right up at the looking. top, bold print, no corn pop. <laughs> <laughs> here's, here's my rough draft. I'm Joe Biden. I was a senator for several terms. Then I was Barack Obama's vice president. I've been a moderate Democrat my entire career, and I'm not Donald Trump. 
thank you, and God bless America. Wow. And, and by the way, I got hairy legs. <laughs> no, no. I told you we should put no hairy legs at the top under no corn pop, and you said no. God, I think that speech would be a home run. Why wouldn't you do that? Uh, it would be something. Because as you pointed out, and you and Sean, I think, but the so-called convention or the slightly fancier Zoom call, as I've called it, or the sad telethon, as somebody <laughs> called it. Oh, we, do we have that Marion Williamson clip? We'll play that in a second. Um, it's created not to be a convention. It's created to create two to three minute videos that people swap around on the Internet. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's TikTok. It's not a convention. It's TikTok. Nobody's convening. No. Um, Nor is anybody terribly impressed, although it's a tough challenge. Go ahead and hit that clip if you want. We're on day three of the convention. The question is, how's it going so far? Well, former Democratic candidate Marianne Williamson has been following it closely. She describes the experience as, quote, like binge-watching a Marriott commercial. That's about right. Pretty unappetizing. Platitudes heaped upon cliches smothered in a thick sauce of self-righteousness and stupidity. No normal person could eat what the DNC is serving this week. We tune in because it's our job. Um, tell oh, me boy. more about the thick sauce of stupidity. Is it spicy? Because <laughs> I don't like spicy. Uh, did you hear what Andrew Yang said? I don't remember if we had that clip, but he was talking about how so often Democrats will be doing really well, but then they get, what was he, something that if anybody dares disagree with them, they, they utterly reject it and get angry. And he said, there's a real condescension to our party, hmm, um, which I thought was a pretty good indictment. That dude cannot not tell the truth as he sees it. I think he just doesn't give a damn for one right, thing. And, right. and he's it's not a party spin so feeling about him. Yeah, he yeah. clearly is just, hey, this is what I see. Oh, hey, another clip I wanted to play. We just There's too much going on around here. I can't possibly keep it straight. Um, uh, Where is that clip that I asked for from Fox News Democrat? Uh, long time Donna Don- Brazil. Donna Brazil. Thank you. Founder. Donna and Sarah, thank you very much. Founder I'm very Brazil. Founder, she founded Brazil. She was the first president of Brazil. That's correct. She well, she discovered it. Uh found found became its president, founded it. Was she behind the wax? The, the, wa- oh, Brazilian, the Brazilian wax? wax? Uh I, I I've been asked not to speak specifically about mm. her and her waxing, but uh, I uh, find her grating. I also disagree with her vehemently. She was Al Gore's campaign manager. Did you say that? No. Yeah, that's I didn't. what her. I'd thing forgotten. Was. She's Carl Rove for Al Gore. She was the interim head of the DNC for a while. Um, uh, so I find her personally annoying. Uh, I disagree with her on everything. Um, I think she's a political hack. Well, she snuck the answers to Hillary from CNN, right, <laughs> for right. the debate. But until fairly recently. She is practically my polar opposite, politically speaking. The reason I asked for this clip is to draw a line between Donna Brazil and the modern radicals we've been talking about, the Marxists. Um, listen to the end of a segment on Fox News. Donna and Sarah, thank you hey, very much. A very peppy can I have conversation. The last word? Can I have the last word? If you can do I it in 15 seconds. Yes, ma'am. I love all of you. And that's how much I love this country, because we disagree, but we can still say at the end, God bless America. That's what I love about this country. Absolutely. All right. Amen. May God bless Bless you. All right. Bye-bye, y'all. Donna, thank you very much. No. How dare Ellen DeGeneres sit in the same box as George W. Bush? I'll never watch Ellen again. Right. 
No, if I am disagreed with, I have a new enemy. Right. You are a fascist. You are a racist. You are not legitimate. We need to tear down this country. Pardon me, folks, but as Louis Farrakhan said, and he has a lot of fans, including some who are speaking at the Democratic National Convention, not God bless America, God damn America. That is the difference. Donna Brazile and I disagree on everything, but I think she loves her country. And that's the difference. We have a new breed that hate this country. They've been indoctrinated in their schools and their universities by sickos to hate this country. The greatest experiment in self-governance ever tried. A country that stumbles and falls and gets it wrong, but tries and tries and tries to get it right. I was reading about uh, the, the, the problem in Africa. The Islamic fundamentalism is on the march. Thousands of people are dying. Thousands and thousands. And these are, are countries that are almost entirely black, run by black people. They're having awful, awful problems. There is terrible tribal racism and that sort of thing. Um, and they're fighting for their lives. And uh, they're, they're incredibly brave people and they're patriots and the rest of it. Um, but the more I read and watched, the more I was reminded, oh, my God, we're so fortunate to be in this country. We are so lucky. Our poor are rich by global standards. We feed, clothe, medicate, and coddle drug junkies for as long as they want to be junkies. I'm not a big fan of that policy, but we have it so good in this country. The only way you could hate this country is if you have no knowledge of every other country on Earth. I mean, if you want to make it more like Denmark, let's talk about it. You can vote that way. Try to convince me your ideas are good. I'm listening. If you say you love this country, you love the Constitution, you just think we ought to run a little differently, okay, let's talk. But these people who actually hate the United States uh, do not, do not fall for their lies. Anyway, thank you, Donna Brazil, for saying that. I still think you're a complete phony, but at least you said it. So, um, uh, Thursday, uh, economic numbers come out. We'll hit you with that when we come back. Also, there's a new flight simulator out that sounds really cool. I'd like to check it out. But what are people doing with it is kind of interesting. Hmm. Oh, plus the funniest joke I heard about Bill Clinton's speech the other night. Oh, okay. Um, all it's that- not charitable. <laughs> all that on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. According to a new survey, almost half of young people would not date someone who doesn't recycle. Said a single man, well, you're in luck, because I've been wearing the same shirt for five months. I feel like I'm living in the Blade Runner. One of my favorite movies of all time. Just everything is kind of crappy and scary, and there are androids about. <laughs> well, maybe not. <laughs> Maybe that last part. So uh, economic news comes out every Thursday. The people filing for unemployment uh, insurance help, uh, a backup over a million dollars. So it ticked back up. A million, a million people. Right, yeah. Uh, ticked back up over a million. Oh, boy. It's about 1.1 million. Oh, golly. What does that mean? It's been around. It's been averaging a million or more for over 20 weeks, which is not good. And it's I mentioned a million this. new claims. I yeah. always want to make that clear. That's not a million people on unemployment. That's a million more. A million people. more than last week. Now, some people got gigs back. You know, 
while that was happening, but uh, I doubt it's more than the 1.1 million who lost theirs. And I mentioned that people are using this new flight simulator oddly. First of all, it's Microsoft's Flight Simulator Simulator 2020, which is supposed to be really good. I got to get that. It sounds pretty cool. You can fly anywhere in the world pretty much. Varying degrees of detail in the same way that if you do, you know, uh, Google Maps thing, urban areas are very detailed. You get you can't get as detailed in like some rural areas because they don't have as many pictures. But anyway, there, there's some weird quirks. Like if you fly to Buckingham Palace, it just looks kind of like an office building. It, it, it's not a you can't go on like a sightseeing tour, but you can kind oh. of just fly around the globe. I'll, a little bet, bit you, and, I'll okay. bet you within 10 years you can. Oh, yeah, absolutely. This is just an early version of it. And I, I feel like even. Probably by the end of the year, it'll be much better. But I, so you I have pre- a like not great computer with kind of a junky video card. I, I probably have to upgrade to do this. Probably. Yeah. I really. Why don't? I, why am I not good to myself? Mm-hmm. Too um, frugal. But the idea of uh, you know being able to pretend you're flying a plane and going anywhere in the world sounds pretty cool. You can pick any spot in the world, fly your plane there, and see something that resembles reality, which is pretty cool. But what are a lot of people doing? One location in recent days has been getting a lot of attention, Jeffrey Epstein's private island in the U.S. Virgin Islands. People want to see what that's like. Yeah, yeah. Which leads us to Bill Clinton. You know what? I'm going to get that uh, that flight simulator, then I'm going to get some sheetrock, and I'm going to make my bathroom just tiny and put other people's urine on the floor and have some sort of mechanism that jostles it while I'm trying to go to the bathroom so I can really enjoy that whole flight feeling. Someone else's urine on the floor. I'll sit, a sick I'll sit there with my bladder full, desperate, just trying to hold out. Then I'll finally sit walk up there. And... Sit up completely straight, though, with the inability to move back even a tiny bit. Right. With your knees and your chin. Exactly. With some jackasses talking loudly about their idiotic lives. Oh, and the smell of a big burrito next to you. Oh, <laughs> An aggressive boy. scent. Oh, golly. Do love the experience of flying. This is from the Babylon Bee. This is parody. Masquerading is a news story. Wrapped in an enigma. (laughs) Stuffed inside a burrito on a flight. (laughs) Last night during the uh, DNC convention, former President Bill Clinton gave a video (laughs) speech railing against President Trump and calling Trump someone incapable of taking responsibility. Just as Clinton was laying into Trump's coronavirus response, a special guest appeared in the background of the video. Chris Hansen of To Catch a Predator. Oh, jeez. Why don't you have a seat right here? <laughs> Hansen said to Clinton, we need to talk. Oh, God. I'm already seated. Clinton answered, looking nervous. Can I, can I finish this up first? Clinton then, uh, Clinton then continued to talk about how irresponsible Trump was, though his heart didn't seem as into the speech as before. When Clinton finished, Hansen said, now I want to ask you about when you... Hansen was cut off as Clinton ended the video. <laughs> That's really... Why don't you sit down? We need to talk. So I saw the pictures of Bill Clinton getting the neck massage from one of Epstein's rape slaves uh, on the plane. Yes. Yeah, this was when she was 22. Still weird, though. It's still it's still a weird thing, I think, for a guy who, who was 55. How old was he at the time? He was in his 50s, I remember. Yeah, something I saw like that. Article. Yeah. I just think that's a, it's a pervy thing to do, to ask some... Young twenties girl to rub your shoulders on a plane. <laughs> I would never do that uh, well, in to an anybody air, in an airport. To be fair, um, 
I would never <sighs> ask somebody who some girl. Well, you got a personal space the size of Idaho, though, so it's different. I get massages semi regularly. There's a big difference between going to get a massage and asking some twenty something who's near you. Would you rub my neck? I'm kind of stiff. That's a pervo move, one hundred percent. Well, she was uh, one of Epstein's employees slash victims slash recruited when she was young slash. Jelaine Maxwell at the heart of all this and like grabbed her off a co- uh, high school campus. Yeah, it's it's you all think a there's little a, weird. I'll look at it this way. I don't have any reason to think Bill Clinton's ever had sex with an underage girl. I don't think that. But do you think there's a chance in hell he wasn't hanging around Epstein because he was having sex with some of the women around? I think it's entirely possible. I think he he I dug think it. Sure. I think that's by far the most likely case is that the reason they were friends and hanging around was that. Oh, he's he's into sex with beautiful women, and they're all over the place. Um, but you know, and I'm the kind of guy that has cheats on my wife all the time. But those two worlds never met. That just sounds <laughs> right. What am I, a child? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sit down. Oh, Are no, you that... young love sixty oh, nine? Did that... you send this email? <laughs> Although that wouldn't be a crime. I mean, everybody knows he, you know, he he straight on his wife. She's obviously cool with it if they were above age, and you know. Whatever. Mm-hmm. That's what he was doing. That's probably what he's still doing. Chelsea looks just like uh, Webb Hubble. What? Yeah. Yeah. Come on. They had an open marriage. That's none of my business. Never heard that one before. Oh, exactly like him. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. started in on a really long article in the Atlantic, but I repeat myself. Um, man, the Atlantic writes book-length articles, but it's... Do they a- fire all the Redditors? <laughs> Are they paid by the word? Is that what's going I on? I think it's... I think part of it is um, when everything's the internet as opposed to a real magazine, you know? Right. There are no constraints. No there, space constraints. No. You don't have to worry about the weight of it or how many pages to print or anything like that. It's but interesting, it, though, that so much of journalism has gone in the other direction. That it's all just, if you can't read it in 40 seconds, it's too long. Too long, didn't read. Something a little in between would be nice. But um, <laughs> it's about how anti-racism is the new religion. And, uh, you know, and the Atlantic's a lefty publication. But uh, anti-racism, that whole woke thing being the new religion and using the... They specifically say new Christianity, but um, it's it's got that sort of, uh, you know, fervor. And adherence, and you know, there's there's blasphemy now. We've talked sure. about that and yeah. all that sort of stuff. It's really interesting. I'll, I'll read the whole thing and try to surmise it. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll look forward to reading. Yeah, reading it myself. Um, so uh, a couple of things. Number one, uh, a piece of tape of uh, to set the scene. It's a police officer in Seattle, and he is stopped his car and rolls down his window to talk to a young man who's yelling at the car. I will tell you this, uh, throughout it, the cop is the uh, epitome of professionalism and good cheer. And you will hear the conversation turn, and you will hear the utter hatred, religious fervor, fervor, um, insanity of the other guy involved. Go ahead, John. Which what number? Oh, sorry. It's uh, 51? Or, sorry, 90. 91. You day day? Not really. You're around. For that, but don't worry, man, because guess what? I'm leaving. You guys won. Months, baby. I'm out. You're about to resign? I'm 
What's it, what's it, what's, what, how, how you feeling about that? You're you're about I, to resign? I'm feeling great. You're about to resign or what? Yeah, I'm feeling great. Is that what you're saying? I, when you're yeah, I am leaving this department. You guys won. Could I get an interview from you by that? About that? You cannot. So you, what? You're just tired of uh, of police uh, brutality, or are you tired of what's going on right now? Oh, us. Why? Hey, hey, this guy, this guy said that he's resigning. Hey, he, he said he's tired of us and he's going to resign because of Black Lives Matter, not because he's tired of the police. Hey, buddy, what's your badge number? What's your badge number? Hey, you and Fog. Hey, you triggered, boy? You triggered? Oink, oink. Oink, oink. Yeah. you and your blue life, boy. you and your blue life. No, we ain't never going to be friends. We'll never see eye to eye. We'll never see eye to eye. I don't give a if you take that badge off. You'll never be my people. He'll never be my friend. Oh, the awesome. stupidity and brutality is unbelievable, isn't it? It's scary. I mean, it's it. If I can watch it from afar, it's only interesting. But if I start thinking about it, you know, seeping into my life and my kids running into this in their in their future, it really frightens me. Yeah, it reminds me a little bit. There are dynamics of it in various religious cults and political movements where you get the stupid, the psychopathic, you fire them up completely. You convince them that they are so righteous and anybody who opposes them is so evil that anything is justified. Any act of violence, slander, whatever is justified. Then you turn them loose. And man, the result is not pretty. This is, this is so appropriate coming on the heels of our discussion of the young neo-Marxists yesterday. Uh, Kelly sent this along. It's an article in the New York Times and it is just, just exploding with irony. The headline is a black Marxist scholar wanted to talk about race. It ignited a fury. This professor, uh, what's that? Adolf Reed. He's 73, professor emeritus at the University of Pennsylvania. He's a Marxist. Um, Econ professor or something like that. It doesn't doesn't really matter. Um, but he, he was going to speak at uh, at Penn. His chosen topic was unsparing. He planned to argue that the left's intense focus on the disproportionate impact of the coronavirus on black people undermined multiracial organization or organizing, which he sees as the key to health and economic justice. So this guy's an old school Marxist saying, no, 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 no. We need the black people. And uh, and the black working class and the white working class and Hispanics to band together against the injustices of capitalism. Notices went up, anger built. How could we invite a man to speak, members asked, who downplays racism in a time of plague and protest? To let him talk, the organization's Afro-Socialists and Socialists of Color Caucus stated was, quote, reactionary, class reductionist, and at best tone deaf. It, they are so clearly classic Marxists. Just They've updated some of the language, but not all of it. We cannot be afraid to discuss race and racism because it could get mishandled by racists. That's cowardly and cedes power to the racial capitalists. So workers of the world unite doesn't work anymore because you have to break it down by race. Right, right. The new Marxists have figured that's a better way to organize people because you look in the mirror, you know what race you are, generally speaking. Um, but you have to convince working class people they need to band together in some sort of coalition. And then Cornell West, who's a socialist, a Harvard professor of philosophy, and I have disagreed with virtually every word he has uttered in his entire life. He's on book TV, it seems, every week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he said of this, um, God have mercy. 
Adolf is the greatest democratic theorist of his generation. He's taken some very unpopular stands on identity politics, but he has a track record of a half century. If you give up discussion, your movement moves toward narrowness. So Cornell West is alarmed by this. But this 73-year-old Marxist has been canceled by the new Marxists because he's reactionary and counter-revolutionary. And you still think these people still are about, you know, the police not beating up black people without justification. Unbelievable. And, and, and there's a who's who of everybody you thought was a, a leftist or a black leftist in America who's saying, oh, wait a minute, um, this is crazy. What's going on here? It's, it's remarkable to see. I appreciate that these people like Cornel West saying, that's crazy. Y'all are nuts. But, you know, how did uh, how did things end up for Trotsky? Ice pick in the head. Exactly. Yeah, every uh, every generation of militants that comes along wants to execute the old militants because they're not militant enough or not in the right ways or whatever. Um, wow. Wow, that's something. I, you know, I was super, uh, not pessimistic, but extremely concerned about the neo-Marxists. Uh, for the last couple of days, been reading about it a lot, and I think it's absolutely legitimate. It is not some sort of fever dream. It is not some sort of conspiracy theory that these people are gaining energy because they're so brutal, um, and they will ruin you. They will cancel you, or they will beat you down in the streets of Portland, for instance. Um, I'm I'm starting to gain more optimism that their philosophy is so self-evidently stupid, and they're so clearly amoral and awful human beings that the left is is waking up to it, and they're going to say, hey, look, we don't want to turn on them because they're giving energy to our movement, but we need to rein these people in. I have some optimism. I wouldn't bet that that wins the day, but I have a little bit of optimism. I'm not optimistic about this relationship that is new between Saudi Arabia and China. Uh, hey, uh, Saudis, we've been protecting you for decades now. Boy, the only reason, even though you supplied nineteen of the twenty hijackers, yeah, nine eleven. Only reason the royal family has been able to prosper the way they have and stay alive is with our help. But um, Israel has expressed concern to the Trump administration, and Secretary of State Pompeo talked about this yesterday about a new nuclear facility that was built in the Saudi desert with Chinese money. The secret development raises concerns that the Saudis are building infrastructure for a future military nuclear program with the Chinese helping them. If we're not sure whether that's the case or not, that's got to be the case. The New York Times and the Wall Street Journal reported on that earlier this week that the Saudis had teamed up with China to build a secret facility in the desert near Rehad to produce yellow cake, a basic material for uranium enrichment. You know, I love yellow cake with chocolate icing. I'm gluten-free now, and since i gone gluten-free, I can't do yellow cake. Um, uh, Nobody's exactly sure what the game is between Saudi Arabia and China, but that is a very disturbing development. In case my point earlier was a little too fortune cookie-ish, that if we don't know whether that's the case, it is the case. Um, If Saudi Arabia was just building a power plant, I mean, we're their protector. Oh, yeah. They'd have said, hey, look, here's the deal with the plan. It's this, that, the other. The Chinese came along with some cheap uh, technology, blah, blah, blah. No, 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 no. But if Mike Pompeo is saying, wait a minute, what is going on here? (laughs) Oh, boy. This is what we needed. This is what we needed. And then in a different part of the world from Australia. Australia. 
I have not been to Australia. I dream of it. Love to be. Love to live to visit someday. You have dreams while you're asleep where you're in Australia? Oh, I do. Yep. Hmm. Yep. Boxing kangaroos, cuddling koalas that are vicious little creatures in, in real life. <laughs> Putting a shrimp on the Barbie, eluding great white sharks, uh, looking at the opera house, the whole thing. Chatting with the Aborigines. Oh, yeah. Yep. Drinking Fosters in the shade. <laughs> Playing rugby or something? Dodging one of their uh, 75 kinds of poisonous snakes. Playing what they call our rules football. (laughs) Our rules football. That's good. Uh, This tweet yesterday from Melbourne, Australia. Police are preparing to launch their arsenal, aerial, aerial arsenal of drones as part of a crackdown on COVID rule breakers. High-powered drones will be used to find people not wearing masks and uh, cars that are too far from home. Holy cow! Jonathan Swan commented, there are concerns that this style of policing won't end when the pandemic is over. You think? No kidding. So Australia, which is a democracy and an open country and all that, but they're sending drones out to track your car on where you go. Like, to, to check and see if you're wearing a mask. Yeah, that won't go away when COVID's over. Oh, there's, there have been a couple of resurgences of the vid of note. New Zealand got hammered again after all the worldwide praise of old Jacinda, what's her name, and their brilliant handling of it. And South Korea, another country that was widely praised for dealing with it, has uh, announced a giant super shutdown again because they've got hundreds of new cases. And This thing's just going to be around till it's not. I mean... It does not go away. It just goes over there. Lurks. And another headline of the day, Steve Bannon, who is one of the architects of Trump getting elected, a super smart guy, interesting dude, um, uh, he got arrested today. Apparently, well, they claim, they say, that he was skimming money off of a variety of fundraising activities. Dummy! It seems to be a, a tied around a We Build the Wall GoFundMe online campaign that raised hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah, it's a foundation, but he was using it to feather his own nest. You really should have gone to the Clinton seminars on how to do that, because they're the world's greatest. Got to make it a charity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're going to go to uh, Australia now on a charity business. We're going to give a speech about the charity and spend two weeks there. And stay in a really nice hotel. Oh, please. Fly private plane. The presidential suite, which you got to admit is appropriate. Um, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Sure. We're going to fly on a Gulfstream 6 or whatever they have these days and uh, and then stay on the entire top floor of the Sydney Hilton and the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Charity business. Oh, that's right. i got to give a 10-minute speech about the charity now. All right. Uh, so we'll probably but it bring was, you... I think it's notable that it's Trump's Justice Department that, that arrested uh, yeah. Bannon. Yeah. Good point. Uh, we'll probably have more on that tomorrow when more is known. Um, we got to do a show again tomorrow. That's just what I understand. That's what the contract says. I check it every morning. I really should have read it every morning when I get I out of bed. I say, "Is this right?" And I check the contract. And say, yeah, I got to feel your work. soul being crushed yet. I do. <laughs> we kid. We love doing this. <laughs> I Thank do. you for listening. I actually do. More on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I mentioned this earlier, but I hadn't seen this. So Kim Jong-un, the the, the short, fat dictator, uh, evil dictator of North Korea, 
I don't mind fat shaming him. He's a terrible human being. Third generation dictator. Bloodthirsty, oppressive, fat. cruel. Fat. And I'm trying to justify calling him fat. There's a couple of reasons. One, he's a terrible person, but that still wouldn't justify it in that, you know, it seems like a derogatory term. Yes. I don't mind calling him fat because the fact that everybody in his country is starving to death mm. while he is fat is significant. The judges say, ding, that will be accepted. Um, well, and if indeed he's diabetic or the vid is about, his obesity could absolutely play into his shortened life. Has a comorbidity. Hmm. Has a comorbidity. It's also a morbidity. <laughs> Get your word straight, Jack. <laughs> I took that second shot at it and thought I can say it this time, but I, I swung and missed again. Listen, why don't you just tell the people so they'll have more sympathy? You had a tri- uh, tongue transplant uh, yes. a couple of years ago. Uh-huh. Our pet ape pulled my tongue out. By the words! <laughs> and uh, I was lucky to get a, a, a tongue from a cadaver, but the gentleman had a much longer, larger tongue than <laughs> I was used to. He had a very large mouth. <laughs> Barely fits at all. It was poorly connected. Cadaver I, sh- I, sh- I should have got it done in America. That explains <laughs> your breath. Huh? Um, Kim yeah. Jong-un has apparently signed over some power to his sister, who was in the news a lot a couple of months ago when he had disappeared briefly, and people are wondering if she was running the country. Something was going on there related to this. Apparently. Right, right. That you know, as a student of dictatorships, I'm really interested in this. Yeah, this is this is a head scratcher. Kim Jong Un's ambitious five year plan to boost the North Korean economy. He actually took that whole five year plan thing straight out of the Soviet Union and and Stalin and create a great socialist country. Well, it's been seriously delayed. He said yesterday in Pyongyang, which is a rare admission of you know things aren't going the right direction. Yeah. Uh, and he called on the, uh, the Workers' Party Congress to try to get together and come up with a new idea and apparently is signing over some power to his sister. So what's going on there? Nobody has any idea. That is so rare. Yeah. Armstrong and Getty announced the boarding of the Final Thoughts Express. And I wouldn't care that much if they weren't a nuclear power. It's interesting anyway, but the fact that they actually have nuclear weapons makes it a bigger deal. Well, and they're enslaving millions of people. They have nuclear weapons to sell to people if they get desperate enough. Oh, my gosh. Here's your host for Final Thoughts, Joe Getty. Hey, let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew starting in the control room. He keeps us on the air. Michelangelo, final thought. Yeah, we were talking about Australia earlier in the hour. I just know Crocodile Dundee movies in excess and men at work, so I assume I don't have to go to Australia. I've seen it all. There you go. Yeah, you've got any idea. Positive Sean is our producer as a final thought for us. Uh, yeah, the, uh, the fires going on on the West Coast. Cut it out! Stop it, fires. Yeah, I agree. We got enough going on. Oh, it's just so awful. Jack, a final thought. And the time you spent uh, looking at your Olivia Newton-John poster as a youth. She's Australian, is she not? Um, oh, yeah. One of their finest exports. Um, Joe Biden speaking tonight. It'll be the first of the Democratic National Convention that I've watched. I think it could be significant. Um, I'm pretty interested to see how it goes, and we'll talk about it tomorrow. Indeed, my final thought is similar. We'll give it a watch, a listen. We'll bring you clips if you can't or don't want to watch it, and we will give you our honest assessment of how it went and what it means. He has a fairly low bar to clear. Right. Uh, you know, our style is if our opposition has a great quarterback, we're not going to say, oh, he sucks. 
We're going to say, oh, they've got a really good quarterback and we have to figure out how to contain him. If Biden hits it out of the park, we'll tell you that tomorrow. On the other hand, if he comes off like he's one step out of the the home, we'll tell you that. (laughs) One step out of the home. Hmm. Armstrong or O'Fittig, one foot in the grave. Which would be even worse, obviously. O'Fittig. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people to thank. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. We have the video of the Seattle cop who said he was resigning. We have the singing of the man with the world's lowest voice, which we should have played again. Oh, for yeah. Oh, the Reds play-by-play announcer. His career is over. His hot mic moment. Oof. See you tomorrow. God bless America. You having a good time? Okay, I, I did not say okay. that. I've sat here for over three hour and 15 minutes. <laughs> that sucks. If you wish to leave, you may. Let me just say how very, very dismaying and disappointing. Not uh, good. And just change the channel from this mesmerizing horror show. We'll be better tomorrow than we were today. Then we heard the words. It's over for me. Adios, mofo. Okay, so we're, we're, you're, we're dismissed, is that correct? Do you want to rephrase uh, what you're doing? Armstrong and Getty.